Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby, the show that is committed to helping people learn positive money mindsets, destroy their debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Today, we're going to chat with Paul Vassi, creator of the financial literacy game Cash Crunch Jr. He'll discuss his game as well as creative ways to teach kids invaluable money management skills. But first, Sensible Bobby will talk about the magic of Christmas and how to make your dreams come true. So let's get to her, the competent custodian of cash, the hero of hard assets, the boss of budgeting. It is Sensible Bobby. Thanks, Scott. And Merry Christmas, everyone. We're only a few weeks away, and no matter where you go, you know it's coming. Radio stations are playing Christmas music, homes are decorated to the hilt, every commercial seems to have jingle bells ringing, and the stores are bombarding us with gift ideas and must-have decorations. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Remember when we were kids and Christmas was a magical time of year? Christmas break meant no school, time to play with friends, no stress. And on Christmas morning, you woke up to all your dreams coming true, right under your very own well-decorated Christmas tree. All you had to do was share your dreams with mom and dad and poof, Santa provided. Then you became an adult and Santa no longer came down your chimney with everything you've ever wanted. Suddenly, dreams seemed like nothing more than wishes that would never be fulfilled. We stopped dreaming and started living in the reality of our lives, working day in and day out, almost on autopilot, just to make ends meet and maybe have some laughs with friends on the weekends. We told ourselves that dreaming was a waste of time. Stick with reality. But for many of us, me for sure, we didn't realize that dreaming is the first step, but not the last, toward planning for the life you want. It seems we held too tight to the idea that Santa is the only one who can make dreams come true. So instead of dreaming and planning, we started spending all our time and energy dealing with whatever was going on in the moment and wishing for things out of reach, but not giving it much thought beyond that. What if you could be your own Santa? What if you could make your own dreams come true? What if dreams led to goals, which led to well-thought-out plans that were achievable? How exciting would our lives become? If you're laughing at the prospect, I challenge you to prove me wrong. Let's start with your Christmas list. How long has it been since you wrote a letter to Santa outlining all the things you want? Tis the season. Write that letter. Or at the very least, write out a list of what you want. But give it a bit more thought than just what you'd like to appear under your Christmas tree on December 25th. What do you want out of life? What kind of life do you want to lead? At the end of your life, what do you want to be remembered for? What experiences do you want to have? What does your dream home look like? What does your dream car look like? How do you want to spend your time? What are you passionate about? What matters to you and what doesn't? Would you like to have a new wardrobe or would you rather put that money toward redecorating your home? 
Does taking a cross-country trip appeal to you, or would you like to have cash on hand to buy concert tickets a few times a year when your favorite bands come to town? For most of us, the list we come up with is going to be way more than we can even fathom being able to afford all at once, but that's okay. Think of this as a bucket list. You don't have to achieve all of it at once. These are things you're striving for throughout life. So once you reach one goal, you can cross it off and move on to the next. But now you have a clear vision of what you're working toward. And this makes life much more fun, exciting, and worth whatever sacrifices need to be made in the short term in order to achieve those goals in the long run. And you can focus on the fact that it won't always be this way if you don't like the way things are now. Once you've put your list together and prioritized it, you'll know which dream you want to start with. Now turn that dream into a goal. Make it a smart goal so you've got an even better chance of making it happen. That is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. If you're feeling overwhelmed about making a smart goal, let's look at why. How do you know if a goal is achievable or realistic if you don't know where you stand financially? Without a clear picture of your finances, it's going to be difficult to know how much money you have to put towards your goals after covering your financial obligations. So step one is creating your financial picture. Simply put, this means making a list of your expenses and adding them up, then making a separate list of your income and adding that up. Now subtract your expenses from your income and the amount left over is what you have available to use toward your financial goals. If there's no money left over, or if your expenses are more than your income, you'll either need to add to your income or cut expenses in order to find the money to put toward your financial goals. Getting rid of debt is one of the best ways to cut expenses. So if you're carrying any debt, I suggest making a goal to pay off your debt and put it first on your list because it will make hitting your other goals so much easier. And now that you have other financial goals, you have a big incentive to create and follow a plan to get out of debt, because the sooner you do that, the sooner you can focus on your fun goals. Now that you've created your SMART goal, let's establish a plan for how to achieve it. If the goal is becoming debt-free, make a list of all your debts and the interest rate, minimum payment, and total owed for each debt plus how much additional money you have available to throw towards your goal. Now, go to Undebtit, that's undebt.it, enter the information and play with all the available options to determine which plan is best for you. It's free and it will show you exactly how much you'll pay and when you'll be debt-free based on which plan you choose. For all other goals, you'll need to determine how much money you need to reach your goal. If it's an item you're looking to purchase, just look up how much it costs. Easy enough. But if it's more complex, think through each part of it. For example, if your goal is taking a dream vacation, you need to figure out what a dream vacation means to you. Where do you want to go? How do you want to get there? Will you be staying with family or friends? Or will you need a hotel room? Will you be eating out or cooking in? What will you be doing while you're there? Seeing shows, going to museums, or other things that cost money? Or will you mostly be hanging out at the beach or hiking? Take the time to think this through, then add a dollar amount to everything that requires money. 
Granted, you're not going to come up with the exact number, but having a general idea of how much each individual part could cost will help you come up with a ballpark of the total amount of money you need for your dream vacation. Once you have that number, it becomes easy math. Looking back at your financial picture, how much money do you have each month to put toward your goal? Divide the total amount you need by the monthly amount available and you'll see how many months it will take for you to reach your goal. If you don't like what you see, you have options. You can pare down your trip so it costs less, cut your monthly expenses so you can save more, or increase your income and put the extra money toward your goal, which will cut down the amount of time it takes to reach it. Now that you know what you need and have come up with a timeline you can live with, you need a spending plan and budget to help you implement and carry out your goal. The spending plan is simply a list of what you want to spend your next paycheck on. It includes your bills and expenses, plus the monthly amount you've established to put toward your goal. It acts as a reminder of how you plan to spend your money once it gets into your account. That way you don't forget and spend it on other less important things instead. Your budget is simply a tracking device. Just like your bank account, it tells you how much money is in your account today and where you've spent your money in the past. But unlike your bank account, it separates your money into different categories you set up so that every dollar has a job. Again, this is simply a reminder of what you decided you wanted your money to do and a way to easily look at how much you have available for each job, like bills, expenses, and your dream vacation savings. Mix it all up and it's really hard to see what's what. So a budget isn't a restrictive mechanism to stop you from having fun with your money, but rather a tool to make your money do what you really want it to do. It just takes a bit of thinking and planning to make it happen. Now, I gave you a lot of information there. I know it's too much to absorb all at once, but step by step, it can be a really easy process. Check out the 10-Day Budget Challenge on the resources page of my website at sensiblechat.com or email me, bobby, B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com and I'll send it to you. It's free. If you want additional help creating your financial picture, spending plan, and budget, let's work together. Check out the coaching page at sensiblechat.com for more info. Now that we've taken care of your Christmas wish list, what about the kids? What if you could give them a gift that keeps on giving indefinitely? The gift of financial literacy, which will teach them invaluable money skills for life, wrapped in a fun game they can enjoy today. Imagine giving your kids a gift that could keep them from experiencing the money struggles we've all been through. Have I got a great idea for you. Okay, class, grab a seat because Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Paul Vassi, creator of Cash Crunch Jr., a board game for ages 5 to 12 focused on teaching the value of money and the ability to make smarter money decisions in a fun way while encouraging conversations about money, social responsibility, and family values. Paul, thanks so much for being our guest professor today. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm very excited to talk about money and see where this goes. Yeah, you know, you've created a variety of games that teach kids about financial literacy, and obviously you're really passionate about. I want to know where that passion started. Well, I was a school teacher for 12 years in the UK, and just one of those things that I kind of fell into teaching, but I absolutely loved it. 
because it's one of those things where it requires you to be creative. You're listening to the kids, you're working with the kids, and you just want them to learn. I guess that's what really got the passion started. And when I was teaching, one of the things I actually found was that some of the kids were very intimidated when you asked them straight on questions. So if you change the way the question was asked, more than often than not, kids knew more than they think they knew. And I also found that through activities and games and all those kind of things, the kids were able to put their understanding, because it was about them, into practice. And they were able to answer your questions. So they actually understood it. They just didn't know the words. That's an interesting concept because I'm thinking about that now and it makes sense. If you ask kids a question, they may feel like they have to give you the answer you're looking for. Whereas if you're playing a game or something like that, they're just kind of going for it with whatever they know, right? Right. So for example, if you said, what's a CD? You know, I mean, I came from the UK eight years ago and I was a CD. I wouldn't have a clue. But if you said, are you saving money for grandma's birthday next year? The kids will go, well, yes, I am. Well, what is that? Well, I'm saving for within a year or I'm doing short-term savings. Right. If you said, are you saving for the short term? Oh, yes, I am. Well, here you go. It's just the terminology, but the actual concept and understanding, the kids actually know more than they realize. So now Cash Crunch Jr. is designed for kids ages 5 to 12. Why did you choose to focus on that age group? Well, a number of reasons, actually. Um, someone requested it, but then it made a lot of sense. I'd made originally an online game for older kids, and then I was showing this to this person. I said, well, what about for younger? And it, you know, the light bulb went off and thought, well, you know, that's when really we start talking about money. And a lot of the times we're playing catch up and we're doing this prevention and correction, mm-hmm. right? They've made the mistakes. So then you're spending time correcting. Well, what if we actually prevented all that and got kids talking earlier and earlier and earlier? And that's when I realized that, you know what, actually, five to 12 is actually a nice age because there's younger brothers and older brothers and they can all play together. Plus, there's family time where parents are actually have chats with their kids, spending quality time talking about more than just what happened in school day, but being able to actually speak to them about money itself in a fun and non-intimidating way. So I guess I just wanted to get ahead of the curve and get them thinking about the value of money earlier so that as they go through life, you know, and then there's the peer pressure of having the latest T-shirt, the latest watch, the latest game or whatever they can actually step back and go, you know, actually, I understand money and they can make have a more informed chat about it and make a smarter decision. It just makes so much sense. I mean, yeah, like you said, if we could actually educate kids before they ever got into those places where we have to go back and fix the mistakes that we've made, it would make things so much easier. And this game is such a great icebreaker. It certainly provides the opportunities for conversations about money. And I don't think there's enough importance placed on having those conversations in the home. What do you think about that? There isn't. The biggest stumbling block I found is money is seen as math. Yeah. And a lot of kids are really intimidated by it, as our parents. Sure. And really, we deal with money every single day. But a lot of the time, parents don't actually know how to have that conversation about money because they're intimidated and they may feel that their knowledge is lacking or they haven't got the best habits or anything along those lines. So if they're feeling about that and they don't want to be seen as a failure or not knowing something in front of their kids, they tend to move away from it. 
So this is a great game for that because then, yeah, it doesn't have to be like they're trying to teach their kids things they may not feel like they know, but they're giving their kids kind of an opportunity to explore for themselves. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're simply playing around with a couple of dollars and cents. So it's not a big deal. It's not as though you're talking about compounding interest and, right. and all of that big stuff. It's literally make the change out of a dollar, add 90 cents to 50 cents. So the numbers are really small, so it's not intimidating that way. But the concepts behind it are almost self-explanatory, which allows the adults to get that confidence to speak about it because it's just day-to-day speak. And the kids are going, yeah, I get it. I deliberately took the basic fundamentals of money, and that was my focus. You can't spend more than you earn. Make smarter decisions, safer, spend later. So there was literally adding, subtracting, dividing, multiplying. That is it. Simple as possible. And parents have the skills to recognize that, oh, I can do this, and then share that with their kids. You've got a couple of different sets of cards, and I just want to go through them because they seem to be geared towards different things, which I think are great. So I'll start with the oh boy cards. And these seem to be pointed towards teaching kids the value of money versus possessions and thinking about what's important to them and why. Am I on track with that? And why do you see that as an important thing? You are. There's a couple of things that I decided to focus on with the old boy cards. One is that concept of opportunity cost, meaning that you always can choose one thing or the over the other. So you can go and have a soda. Now that's going to cost you a dollar or you can drink water. You drink for free and you have a dollar for something else. The idea that once that dollar is spent, it's gone. So are they making the best decision? I also wanted to have it where, you know, you're asking for a T-shirt with a brand on or plain. So you're just seeing the value. It's still a T-shirt, regardless of how much you spend. Is it still clothing you keep warm? Are you wearing it to be cool? <laughs> and the other thing is I also wanted to bring in responsibility. For example, in one of the cards is you ask your friends to borrow your bicycle. Do you lend it to them? Well, that's a discussion in itself. So if they do, Great because they trust them. But if they say no, well, why? Because you don't look after yourself. So why would you look after mine? And, you know, we're trying to get that responsibility side of things happening. So that's why I I wanted to do basically is decisions. And it's almost like the human element. It's not really about money. It's more about that making that conscious decision. Absolutely. And I thought it was great because, you know, there's no right or wrong answers for those questions. It's simply thinking it through and deciding what you value personally. And I I think that's a great lesson for kids to learn early on. That's it. And also, if the parents see that, they can actually say something to the kids about, well, why wouldn't they lend that to them? So let's say they say that in a game, you go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hang on. Why would someone say no? You know, and get that conversation going about because right now we all know if you rent a car, people don't look after it. If you borrow something from someone, very rarely is it actually looked after, which is such a shame. Now, the income cards seem to be designed to instigate thoughts and conversations on ways that kids can make money. Was that the intent of that? It was two things, um, to make money and also to reinforce good behavior. Kids are always wanting money to do things. So one of the things I wanted to teach them is that there are ways to make money and be helpful around the house, in the neighborhood and everything else. So almost it's a way of thinking about 
entrepreneurial-esque way of doing it. So collecting cans and all those things, walking the dog, and even keeping your room tidy. So there was a bit of, let's be a better citizen about this, and we can also earn money that way too. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's an important conversation to have or, or to get kids started thinking early about earning money. And, and it also kind of instigates their thoughts on what they like and how they want to spend their time, because obviously work is going to be a part of our lives in one way or another for most of our lives. But if we can actually enjoy what we're doing and find a way to provide value, our lives can be a lot fuller in our working years, right? Exactly. And unfortunately, in the world of today with student debt and everything else, when people are asking, oh, I'd like to do this job or what should I do? The first thing you ask is how much does it pay as opposed to will I actually enjoy the job? And then unfortunately, they spend their time chasing the dollar and hating life. And, you know, that's a sad fact. So if you learn that there's ways to make extra money, and you learn the value of money, um, you're probably going to make smarter decisions and put yourself in a better position. And in that vein, the expense cards are a great way of making kids think about the value of things, which is taken for granted a lot when mom and dad are paying for things. And I think it's a great lesson and a start to the conversation about debt. What are your thoughts on that? Because it's kind of hard to teach kids what it means to be in debt couple of things, I guess. I mean, one thing is they've got to understand that once that dollar is spent, it's gone and they have to wait to earn it again or wait for their allowance to come through. So, you know, parents, although they may tell little Bobby that, no, you can't have money, it's actually tough love, but it's the best thing that you can actually teach a child that they've got to look after every penny they have. If they always think that bank of mom and dad are always going to give them money, where's it going to go? I mean, you see students at UCI and all these universities driving BMWs. Well, what's their next car going to be? Where do they go from there? You know, it's almost like a rite of passage. So with my expense cards, I wanted to show them that they literally have to physically hand the money over and put it into the expenses square with Debbie debt so that they're seeing that they've spent that money and also that there's other ways that money is taken away from them in negative ways. So I'm trying to say to them also that if you've been naughty, you've been careless, if something's happening, you got to take responsibility and you end up paying a price for things. But if you're good and you're working hard and all those good things, you're rewarded on the other side too. Such an important lesson. And especially if we can get that in the home, in an environment where we know our parents do love us, but like you said, they're going to give us that tough love to teach us lessons that kids need when they go out in the real world, because the real world isn't going to just hand you $5 every time you want it. I mean, that's the reality of it. Exactly. And you see this like at Thanksgiving and Christmas with parents going into serious amounts of debt and spending the next six months on a credit card, paying it all off. And realistically, a lot of the kids open their presents and throw them away after the next 10 minutes. And how long has it taken a parent to earn that money? How many hours have they spent at work working to earn that money to buy that gift that's been discarded and there's no value to it at all? And that was the reason also behind the game was just being able to be a, a tighter unit and understand the value of money. So then Maybe like my wife and I, we don't really buy presents. We actually think of experiences. So 
we will probably go and do a picnic or we will go on Groupon and we'll do some stained glass windows or we'll do something. It's a memorable experience and it's not about spending money. I think that's really important because, you know, like you said, I mean, toys get tossed aside so easily, but if you can create an experience that kids are going to value and remember, that'll always stay with them. Absolutely. You know, there are some that say five is too young to be having conversations with your kids about money. They say, let the kids be kids and we'll deal with it later. How do you respond to that? Rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) The moment a child has their hand out and says, mommy, daddy, I want is the time to start talking about money. And whether that's in the supermarket and they're having tantrums or or whatever, I mean, that's the time to start having with money so that they understand that money does not grow on trees. I mean, it's a great myth, (laughs) but money does not grow on trees. There's only so much. They can have what they are given, whether it's a dollar a week, $2 a week, whatever it is, as an allowance. And that's their money. They can spend it how they want, but when it's gone, it's gone. The thing is, money's around us every single day. So whether we're in the shop and we actually ask them, pay with cash, get the child to hand the money over exactly to the cashier, work out how much something's going to cost when you're walking around. Because again, kids are learning math at school. They're learning to add and subtract. So why can't we do the same in in a store with these kids? Exactly. I mean, I hear people. Same skill. Yeah. I mean, I hear people talking about how, you know, it's too young for them to learn. And I'm thinking, well, we've already learned to read before we go to school, a lot of us. And, you know, kids are sponges. They learn a lot more when they're younger. So, do you know what? Then maybe this is the classification. If it's too young to learn about money, are you talking about a mortgage and stocks and investing and depreciation and, you know, compound interest, which, You know what? If you don't have the fundamentals, that stuff is irrelevant. Right. They should know actually how much is in their pocket or in their purse or whatever it is and what things cost so they can see if they have enough money. You know, it's adding and subtracting, which they learn at school right now. I mean, 78% of Americans are currently living paycheck to paycheck. So how easy would it be to break that cycle if kids were taught financial literacy? (laughs) It wouldn't be a statistic. Exactly. Because this is the problem we have. A lot of people, they get say, let's just use round numbers. They get a $1,000 paycheck. They think automatically they actually have $1,000 to spend. Now, if you change that mindset and say, maybe you have $900 to spend, not a thousand. So you're saving something first and then you're spending, you'd actually make smarter decisions. Also, if you understand the value of money, you will make smarter decisions on what you buy and whether it's worth your time. So when I say the value of money, how long has it taken you to earn that dollar? So for example, let's say we, we earn $20 an hour. How long did it take you to earn a dollar of that time? So, you know, if you buy a watch for $80, is it worth four hours of your time for that watch? Yes or no? So when you go to spend next time, you'll think, well, is it worth my time for this? So when you go and spending on other things, if you have that in the back of your mind and you understand the value of money, you're going to make smarter decisions. Yeah, that's so important. But, you know, parents are often hesitant to have money conversations with their kids because they don't want to stress them out or they feel like they don't know enough to really educate their kids. So Mm -hmm. what would your advice be to them? Well, one of the things I think that kids need to know actually how much money there is. 
what bills have to be paid and what's left over. So one of the great activities I think every family should do, and they don't have to be accurate with this, but whatever they feel comfortable with, get their paycheck and get some monopoly money and then sit there and you can make the number up so the parents don't feel as though they have to pretend they're making more than they are or whatever. But let's say they have put a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars on the table, then get your electricity bill out, get your rent or your mortgage bill out, get your car payment out and actually put this out in front of all the kids. So they see where all the money's gone and then say, right, out of all this money, this is your portion. So they know that there's no more money coming because it's all been given elsewhere. But parents should be open because the moment they're open with the kids, hey, I have money or I don't have money. Basically, kids need boundaries and kids will always push regardless to the point that they get a hard no. Once they get a hard no and you understand that's the hard no, they'll stop asking. The sooner you set that barrier, the more likely the kid's going to be thinking about the next question. How important do you think it is for kids and all of us really to decide what to do with our money before we start spending it? Oh, it's huge. All right. I guess that there's impulse buys like buying gum and all that stuff. But generally, if you know, I mean, I always kept a running total in my head of what I was getting and what I'm spending. So I know where I am all the time. I think it's pretty important. But again, if they get into the habit of saving something first and knowing what they have at the end to spend, and once that's gone, it's gone, I think that would fix a lot of the issues. If they know they've got big rent payments, but they're going to go to Vegas for the weekend, you know, they're not going to be able to make payments the next month because they spend it all in Vegas betting on red or black. So that's big issue. But if they actually know that, hey, I'm going in six months to Vegas and I need $1,000, they know they can put so much away and take that money from spending elsewhere. So if they were able to just budget in their head even by knowing what they know they're going to spend on, then I think absolutely what you're saying is that that should be done. Now, your game, Cash Crunch Jr., is a great start to teaching kids about money and inviting those conversations. And you've talked about a couple ways already, but do you have some other ways that parents can continue the conversation and educate their kids at home? Sure. I mean, everywhere you look, there is money, whether it's a desk, it's a laptop, it's a printer, it's food, even things at the meal table. One of my pet hates is the amount of ketchup that goes on a plate. <laughs> and is never used up. Smaller amounts. Then you can actually say to the kids, right, we're going to go ketchup shopping today. How much is it per ounce? Do we buy a big bottle or a little bottle? Let's think about where this ketchup comes out of the budget. Lights, even phone bills. Get the kids online to find which is the cheapest phone bill. So you're starting to think about comparison shopping. Now they're looking for the best deal for their money. You know, even things like Kids leave the lights on, leave the water running, think it's funny to flush the toilets and all, you know, all the wasteful stuff that they do. Get them thinking about how they can actually save money. And it goes back to that monopoly pile of money where you can say, look, we pay this much for phone on this much for this and this much for that. What if we actually were able to save more money and then use it here? Where could we save money? And it just gets kids really thinking about the flow of money. 
I think that's really great because not only are you involving kids in those conversations, but, you know, instead of, I mean, a lot of parents would come home and go, oh, you kids, you you use too much ketchup again. You're leaving the lights on all over the place. And it's a constant fight. But here it can be redirected and actually used as a money lesson. And then if you can get kids excited about what they're saving for, like you were saying, yep. you know, where can we put that money, save it for this and that? What a great lesson. And they actually get excited about it. Well, yeah, but and also another thing you could say is so, for example, with your bicycle or printing is a classic one, isn't it? In the home where kids are just printing crazy amounts of stuff off. Yeah. How much money goes on printing? Did you actually need to do that printing? Sure. You know, so you, you're putting a value on something all the time. So, yeah, it's definitely learning the value of what it is. And, and again, going back to the ketchup bottle, if you use less, there's less waste. You don't have to buy as many ketchup bottles. And that's like $2, $3 saved, yeah. which could then go into the family community pot, bolt, bowl, whatever you want to call it, which could be used for an outing at some point. That could be the reward. So they're looking to save money here. And at the money that's saved at the end of the year or whatever, they end up going on an outing or an activity or doing something. That's awesome. And your game can also be used in schools. And you have some great resources to go with it that are really lesson plans. Are schools beginning to use this? I've had a few schools use them. So a lot of after school clubs use the game. And some schools use them in the math classes and everything else. I do want to get the word out more so because it's just a way of breaking down barriers of money and math. What I do like about it is that the kids know how to play the game and they're always coming up with new rules. And during the game, the teachers can actually make up the rules on their own. So they're changing the dynamic of the game throughout, whether they're increasing the interest rates or they're saying all costs are doubled or what, or you only got for the next 10 minutes everything you do right, you get a dollar or whatever. It just changes as much as you want because the kids know how to play. And I've actually had one class where I would give them maybe 10 minutes of instruction on what is comparison shopping or opportunity cost or need and a want. And then I'd say, right, today we're setting up the game and the kids were straight in the game said, just leave us alone. We don't need you right now. We just want to play the game. And we'll, yeah, we'll think about your ideas as we're going along. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) So that was quite funny, really. You know, financial literacy in schools is almost non-existent like we were talking about earlier. I mean, they're yeah. you know being taught math and, and all of these things and, you know, leading straight up to college, you're taught all these different things and how to work and everything, but not what to do with your money. So how do we change that? How do we get financial literacy into schools? Well, there's a lot of people doing some really great stuff now, like Jumpstart, uh, Personal Finance Lab, Money Mammals, Sam Rennick with the Dream Big Club. So there's a lot of great people out there, but really it takes the parent to start demanding financial literacy with the schools. Because right now, a lot of schools, it's basically whoever's free to teach something will teach personal finance. And that's the sad part. So really, it comes down to the parent knocking on the door and saying, we want financial literacy taught. But it's also for the parent then to also 
look at ways to teach their own child. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so important that stuff has to begin in the home and has to happen in the home because it's not happening in schools. And even if it was, certainly the parents should still have a role in that. But how can teachers take an active role in incorporating financial literacy into what they're teaching? Do they have a lot of say in that? I mean, there's curriculum that comes from whatever level. So who's making the decisions about whether or not it gets taught in schools and how you at your kid's local elementary school can get that going? There's a number of different ways to do it. I mean, ultimately, the administrators are the ones that really need, who finally sign off on it and finally do the rosters and the subjects taught and the curriculum in schools. I mean, that's one of the big things that they do. But there are ways to have financial literacy incorporated into classrooms. So, for example, math could do financial literacy where they're doing add and subtracts. And so, for example, in the Cash Crunch Junior, we have an activity sheet and you're doing add and subtract and all those things. And maybe they're logging all the different transactions in the classroom. And maybe then in English, they're writing about words and numbers and telling a story about spending and saving There's also econ. You know, the thing is, there's a lot of different ways to bring it into school, but a lot of times people are unaware of how they can teach financial literacy in the classroom. The other thing is that when you're trying to go after each separate subject, there are certain concepts that fall through the cracks and you may not get it covered properly. So really, I would love to see one hour a week, and then you do not just financial literacy, but you do sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So you end up becoming a, a more of a, a citizen with personal finance being a part of it. So maybe they do one hour every Friday morning where they're doing something about becoming a more involved and responsible citizen throughout. Sure. But I guess it goes to the head teacher who then speaks to the administrators, and that's how it's all decided. But there are a lot of foundations and companies out there that have stacks of resources and standards that have been written that can be used, such as Jumpstart. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, certainly the resources are out there. The schools just have to pick them up and start figuring out how to use them in the right way in the classrooms. Exactly. So what feedback have you gotten from those who've played Cash Crunch with their kids? So some of them just love playing and they've learned how to count money. So, for example, one of the things on the actual banknote, the currency we use, we have a fraction and a decimal. So then the kids can actually start learning how to add up and they know how many cents is in a dollar and all those things. So the kids have been able to learn to count and learn the value. Being able to talk to the parents in a different way now, it's also the parents have something to talk about. So then once they've played the game, they can go into the store and say, do you remember when we played that? Well, this is what we're doing here. Oh yeah, I get it. Also, the value of the allowance, good behavior, bad behavior. They just say it's a lot of fun. It's something different. It's not a textbook. It's not a parent nagging a child because that's all they hear is blah, blah, blah from the parent. The main thing is it's about them. It's about their experience and that they can relate to. And that's probably the biggest amount of feedback I've ever had from everybody is that it's a lot of fun and it's about them. They understand the concepts and now they're able to apply it. Plus, then parents can actually have quality time and talk to one another. That's awesome because it seems like that's why you created it and that's why people are using it. So that's got to be very fulfilling for you. How exciting. Oh, yes. 
Absolutely. I want to create a legacy where we actually make a difference with financial literacy. Well, I think you're on your way for sure. And it's such an important thing. So I wish you all the best in it. In Cash Crunch Jr., I think this makes a great Christmas gift. We're right before Christmas right now and everybody's looking for something special. And, you know, it's fun and it has an important purpose. So where can we buy the game and give a special gift to our favorite kid this Christmas? So you literally go to cashcrunchgames.com and it's on there in the product area under Cash Crunch Junior. And with the game, there's um, downloadable instructions, activities, and all the lessons you spoke about earlier on that if parents want to look at them, they can actually read about what the fundamentals are and actually teach their child. And alternatively, they could even buy a couple for the classroom as a gift to the teachers in the class with all the rules and the lessons so they know that their kids will actually end up being taught. So yeah, cashcrunchgames.com and Cash Crunch Junior. And also they can find it on your page. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to put a link to that in the show notes page at sensiblechat.com. And it's also on our resources page. So check that out. And it's cashcrunchgames.com. And I got to tell you, as someone who moved constantly as a kid, I love the cloth game board because I always had to throw game boards out as a kid Mm -hmm. when we moved because there was just no room for them. So this comes in this little tiny box, you know, with this cloth game board that you can just unfold. And it also makes it easier to transport the entire game to a friend's house for a sleepover. Yeah. I made it as a cloth board. A lot of purists like the traditional board. So some of them were a bit skeptical about the cloth board, but I've had very good reviews about that because also when kids get upset or for the classroom, if kids ever threw anything across the classroom, they wouldn't damage or break it. Or if they ever spilt on anything on it, they could just wipe it down. Ah, So that's that's why I made a cloth board. And plus it's lighter and it's easier to store. So I could put it in a smaller box so they could be stored. So that was the whole reasoning behind the cloth board as well. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today and talking about your game, talking about financial literacy, and certainly for all the great tips on how parents can teach their kids about money, because I think it's such an important issue that should really start early so that kids can have an easier financial life. We always want better for our kids. And if we can give them a better financial life than we've had, that is a great gift. Absolutely. And thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. A big sensible thank you to guest professor Paul Vassi, creator of Cash Crunch Jr. Visit his website at cashcrunchgames.com. Thanks to Paul Vassi for making my Christmas shopping so much easier this year. What a great gift idea. If you want to buy Cash Crunch Jr. for your kids, go to cashcrunchgames.com and use the discount code SENSIBLECHAT20 to get 20% off. You'll also find a link in the show notes for this episode and on the resources page at sensiblechat.com. Paul also shared so many great tips for engaging kids about financial literacy. Parents, let me know how this works for you. It sounds like a lot of fun with a huge payoff for everybody. On the next episode, we're going to chat with Nick Stuller, author of The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free. His book is aimed at debunking the myths that prevent people from achieving their wealth goals. He's also founder and CEO of MyPerfectFinancialAdvisor.com, a matchmaking service for people to find the right financial advisor at any income level. I can't wait to chat with him. Check back here on December 9th for that episode. Thanks for listening. And remember to leave a rating and review for this podcast. I would love to know what you think. Until next time, keep spending and saving the sensible way. That does it for this episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. 
Links for all the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes for this episode at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. While you're there, find your favorite app to be sure and never miss a show. On social media, look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to Sensible Bobby through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. 